He is greater. He is our high priest. He is our great high priest. Come before him with boldness and confidence. Come before him on your knees and watch God rock your world. Man, we are worshiping Jesus Christ. He is greater. That's the series we're in, Greater, Jesus My High Priest. And we're talking about what it means to worship Jesus in so many facets as we walk through the book of Hebrews. And it gives just amazing depth to the insight of who Jesus is. In fact, we've only got two weeks left here, this week and next week in this series. I can't believe how fast we're walking through this. It's just flying by. And this week, we're going to be diving into Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to be looking at Jesus as our eternal king and our eternal priest. Just an awesome privilege to be able to celebrate him. So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Hebrews 7, as we get going, starting in verse 1. Point number one here is give of your first fruits to your great God. Give of your first fruits to your great God. Being able to give of our first fruits, as we call it around here, you see that in scripture, that term first fruits, that means of all that God gives to us, we give back some of that to him saying, Lord, thank you. You are awesome. You have provided to us. You are so worth worshiping and being able to celebrate him along the way. So give of our first fruits to our great God. And we'll see that come up in this passage here as we get going. You know, as we dive in, this has context as we dive into chapter 7. And actually, the end of chapter 6, it says, Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, he's our anchor. He's our forerunner. He's gone before us. He locks things down. He brings guarantee. And he is the hope, the high priest that we have. Now, remember, the author here is writing to Hebrews, to the Jewish people. And so as he wrote this, as he said, you are a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, talking about Jesus, the Jewish people were like, oh, that is so true, right? It's great insight. And as we read it today and we read about Jesus after the order of Melchizedek, we are like, oh, I have no idea what that means. Right? That's where we're at. Let's be honest. As we dive into the passage, we're like trying to understand some of it. And so chapter 7 is for us making a clear statement of who is this Melchizedek? What does it mean to be after the order of Melchizedek? So as we dive in here, here we go. It says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. And we'll just hold right there. It says, for this Melchizedek. Now, as it goes through and begins to describe Melchizedek, it gives five statements about Melchizedek. And the first thing it gives is a statement of just his name, Melchizedek. Now, that's the way we may say it in the English as we just kind of form our sounds, right? But if you uh, look at it in the Hebrew, it's Melchizedek. Melchi means king, Zedek, righteousness, king of righteousness. That's what his name means. Melchizedek, this priest that Abraham met, that almost nothing is said about him in the Old Testament, but his name is king of righteousness. That is a massive statement. King of purity, king of what is true, king of perfection, 
king of righteousness. And we're going to see the statements about Melchizedek being made here. And then he's going to go back and we'll look through them in the second point. We'll see how it ties directly to Christ, right? But kind of obvious as you see, a king of righteousness. And um, so the second one, the second statement he makes about Melchizedek, he says, king of Salem, king of Salem. Everybody just say king. Yeah, don't miss this, man. If you miss king of righteousness, king of Salem, king, we are missing something massive. Melchizedek has a massive role and uh, he's playing as king of Salem here. Now that word Salem comes from the Hebrew word shalom, king of peace. King of peace is what is actually going on there. And actually more than that, If you look in Psalm chapter 76, verse 2, and you may want to write it down, Psalm 76, verse 2, that word Salem is actually used for the city of Jerusalem, right? Can you hear it? Jerusalem. It's the same word there. And so Salem is used in the short for Jerusalem. In other words, king of Salem, king of peace, and king of Salem, even king of Jerusalem is probably implied here. This is a huge deal. He's the king of peace, the king of calm in the middle of the storm, the king of that which brings ease to the soul no matter what's going on around, the king of peace and even the king of Jerusalem, this huge reference being made, two kings over, King of righteousness. Everybody just say, King of righteousness. And King of peace. Everybody say, King of peace. That's who Melchizedek is being stated as. And we're going to see how that connects to Christ very obviously in the next point. And a third statement about Melchizedek. Priest of the most high God. Priest of the most high God. Not just priest of God. Not just priest of a high God. Priest of the most high. High God. In fact, just so you know, in the Hebrew, the way that would have been said, Most High God, is El Elyon. And you may have heard of that phrase before. Priest of the Most High God. He stands on behalf of men. If we're going to use some of the definitions in the first six chapters of Hebrews now about what a priest is, he stands on behalf of men. He stands between man and God. He brings a restoration and a reconciliation. He brings a connection and a blessing and a promise. The role of priest is connecting man to God. And Jesus is uh, connected to this. We'll see that coming up in the second point. Here he's talking about the role Melchizedek had as being that mediator between man and God, connecting them together. He covers over sin through some sacrifices made, And then he also gives blessings and receives blessings back to God. He's a priest who represents the intermediator there. That's the third piece there. And then the fourth, he met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. He met Abraham returning from battle and he blessed him. Now, you may want to write the passage down, Genesis chapter 14. It's worth reading. You could get to it this afternoon or tomorrow or whatever. But Genesis chapter 14, and it talks all about this. In fact, the later portion, like verses 17 to 22, talks specifically about Melchizedek. But the whole chapter is talking about the story. It turns out that there's some things going on. Things are kind of going awry. 
And Abraham is sort of living off on his own and things are going well for him. But his nephew, Lot, is living in uh, Sodom. And it's not going well for him. He's living in Sodom. Everybody say, that's a terrible plan. That's a terrible plan. And he decides to live in Sodom and it goes very wrong. Like a lot of sin going on and all of that. But it turns out there was also an attack on the city. There was a king who started to attack all the cities and the nations in the area and was wiping them out. He was winning at battle. In fact, this king's name is Cheddar Leomar. So for all of you who are pregnant right now, there's a name for you, right? Cheddar Leomar. And this guy, like his dominance, his forcefulness was massive. He took over in all of these areas and these kings were falling to him. He took these uh, winnings, these the loot, if you will, and all of the people. And in fact, as he attacked Sodom and won there, he took the loot from Sodom and he took Lot along with many others. And one person that escaped ended up getting to Abram and saying, you need to know. Your nephew's gone, man. They took him and they took a bunch of the stuff and it's bad. And, and so Abraham actually prayerfully considering it ended up saying, that's the end of it. We're going to war with this guy. So he rallied a little bit over 300 of his people and his faith in his God. And they went after him and they ended up conquering him. They battled him over a night. They ended up taking and winning and pushing them back and then taking all of the loot. And as they pulled the loot, he's like, hey guys, the 300 guys, you grab the loot, you grab the people and let's take it back and restore this stuff. And so they started to bring it back. On their way back is when they came in contact with Melchizedek. God has now provided for them victory in battle. God has provided the saving of Lot's life. And Abraham knows it. And he knows God has everything to do with it. And so as he's talking to Melchizedek, he begins to offer up this praise and thankfulness. In fact, Melchizedek brings a blessing to him. God the Father blessing down on you, Abraham. And Abraham's like, I know. I've already seen it. And it's amazing. And then Abraham turns around and takes a tenth of everything that he has just won, all the spoils, takes a tenth of it and ends up giving that tenth back over to God as first fruits giving, a tenth given back to Melchizedek as the priest saying, this is in order to say, thank you, God, and bless you, Lord. You are awesome. Being able to give back of our first fruits, it's a super huge um, expression of our worship. As God gives into our life, may we recognize that it's more than just us living our life. It is God the Father living with us, protecting us, providing along the way. And as we have that coming in, may we give back of our first fruits. And you see that example with Abraham as he ends up giving a tenth of the spoils over. So as he steps in, it says, he met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and he blessed him. Uh, right here in the verse, he specifically is saying, blessed be Abram by most high God. He's like, God the Father is bringing a blessing upon you. And uh, so as a priest, he brought a reference and he brought the word from God himself to Abraham. And he brought hope in Abraham's life. And as Abraham was talking to the priest, it then says, and to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. And so the author of the book of Hebrews is recording out the blessing that came through Melchizedek and then the giving of tithes and offerings that went back to Melchizedek, his role as priest. And this connection that's going on 
There is so much that goes on here in traditions and steps and connections together and celebrations of their God. And, and man, we have so much of that in our lives. And uh, really this past week, Thanksgiving is a huge opportunity for us to just take a little bit of a moment and reflect to be able to be thankful to our God for all that he's providing and to be able to even walk through maybe a little bit of tradition. I know for us, we have traditions that we walk through in this week. Uh, one of them is we try to get together with family on a Thursday. Um, that happens more or less based on how sick people are and do we have little ones and all of that stuff going on. And you try to get that worked out, but we try to do that on Thursday, getting connected together with family and watching some football and relaxing and uh, a piece of it there. But then one of our big things that we do, actually, we started this when the kids were little, is I take both of the girls out on Friday morning and we do like a daddy-daughter breakfast, okay? And so what started out like we'd actually just go out for dunk, Dunkin' Donuts or something, right? We'd just grab some donuts and enjoy a little bit of time there. Then we'd like, we upped the ante. We started going to McDonald's, you know? And so now we're like at McDonald's for breakfast and we enjoyed that a little bit there. Now we're kind of up into a little bit more upper echelon. Like uh, we went to the Excellent Cafe over here for breakfast. I don't know if you guys have been there in East Peoria. It's a great restaurant. And so we went over there for breakfast and enjoyed that together. And it's just a time with <clears throat> me and the girls just spending a little bit of time catching up. Just what's going on right now and laughing and talking about whatever's going on in the moment. And, uh, and then as that comes to an end, then everybody kind of goes back to their families for the rest of the weekend. And we spend the time there with our families. And, and uh, when I come back home, then it's time for Jonna and me to actually put up the Christmas tree. And we put some of that stuff up and get some of the Christmas things out. That's sort of our traditions and rituals. And then it becomes time to recognize that it is Black Friday. And time to start buying Christmas gifts, right? And going after beginning to buy Christmas gifts for people, checking things off, getting things accomplished. In fact, nowadays, it's not Black Friday. It's just Black November. Have you noticed that? Like, it's just for sale all over the place. I was buying things a couple weeks back, and they are massively on sale all over the place. So just getting some gifts for people, friends or family or connections in whatever way where you're just saying, hey, we love you, you matter, right? That's a big part of giving back is just saying, you matter, and, and, and I love you. And it's a huge opportunity to be able to do that. And we do that in the Christmas season as Christ has given to us and expressed so much love and giving. So then we also giving back to Christ and giving to some around us, just saying, you matter, you're important, I love you. Giving is absolutely essential. And man, may we go after our giving to Christ. As you make your list for all of those that you're giving to, right? You've got your little check boxes of the people you're buying gifts for. Make sure you include Christ on that, that you're actually thinking, Lord, how am I giving some of my time or my talent or my treasure back to you? That you're being able to give of your first fruits to your king and make much of him. May God get all the glory. It's a sweet privilege for us to be able to worship Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory. May this church be on fire. May our families be on fire. And may each of us individually be on fire as we enter into this Christmas season that's all about giving as Christ gave of himself. And so us also giving out to others, just saying, I love you and you matter. And are you willing to be giving to your king, saying, Lord, I love you and you matter? And I'm worshiping you with all I've got. And may we as a church be good stewards along the way with that and fired up about that. May God get all the glory. 
So how are you doing in your giving to your king? How are you doing in your worship of him? Recognizing that God has a plan and giving back to him as he so gives to you. May God get the glory. And I so love your guys giving into this church and the good stewardship. Mentioning stewardship, by the way, just so you guys know, just so you've heard this, I'll throw this out there. Just so you know, uh, over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a few changes up here that are going on. Just some good stewardship of how we're taking care of things. But you see these projectors up here. These are like 10-year-old projectors. And uh, there's a lot that's about ready to go out on them. And it's time to be replacing. And so we've been looking at best ways to do that. It actually costs a lot of money every year to maintain those. And so we're looking at some that have a lot less maintenance to them. And in fact, so what we're going to be going with is kind of an LED wall. So you notice this gap back here? That's because we were kind of looking, we were getting ready to put something in here. But literally the screen that's going to go there, it was literally on a slow boat from China. Literally. And it's been taking a while to get it, but it's here now. Praise God for that. And so what we're going to actually do is take that big center screen down onto the ground and it's going to be an LED wall uh, that's going to go there so we don't have to worry about projecting issues and shadows and all that stuff. And maintenance is way cheaper. So praise God for that. So there's going to be an LED wall kind of down here and then the two upper LED wall pieces in place of those. And uh, we'll getting those in place soon. I don't even want to promise a date on anything, but soon coming along and just trying to be good stewards with that. Man, always though, because God needs to be getting worshiped and get the glory, may we constantly be good stewards of whatever we're putting together to be able to worship the King and all of God's people said, amen, man. So get ready for some stewardship stuff there. And man, as we walk through this with our Savior, may this be a month where we say, Lord, I'm ready to worship you and give to you with all I've got. May you get all the glory. Point number two, honor. Honor Jesus as your great high priest forever. Honor Jesus as your great high priest forever. The author says here, talking about Melchizedek, he is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. So this is what we were just talking about, right? His name is Melchizedek, king of of righteousness, like he is absolutely a king of purity. And this is a direct connect to Jesus Christ. You know, as the author started writing this, those who were reading it were like, oh, just like Jesus, I'm getting it, I'm seeing it. King of righteousness, Philippians 3.9. It talks about Jesus' righteousness being applied to us. And, uh, or here's another verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. It is Jesus' righteousness applied to us. Jesus is the king of righteousness. Everybody just say, king of righteousness. Don't miss it. Jesus has all the purity, all the perfection, all the glory, and he's handing it out with sweet, sweet privilege. King of righteousness. He says, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. And here he's talking again about the translation peace, right? King of Shalom, peace. And so this peace that gets brought in, peace in the middle of the storm. And, uh, you know, if you look back to the story of Jesus throughout his life here on earth, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. So the angels, as they're talking about Jesus, he's just come as a little infant. 
And their statement is, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace from Jesus Christ as he entered this world. God with us, peace. And Isaiah chapter nine, it says, he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Jesus Christ, he is king of peace. I already just say king of peace. King of righteousness, king of peace. And yes, Melchizedek carrying those names and Jesus who he's referring to now. And it says, he is without father or mother or genealogy. And again, he's talking about Melchizedek here. So without father or mother or genealogy. So at the least he's saying here, nothing was recorded about his father or his mother or his genealogy. At the least he's saying that. May have been saying more. Might be saying just to let you know This person that he came to, Melchizedek, wasn't necessarily in that way human where there's father and mother. And in fact, this is Christ himself right in front of Abraham being able to be communicating with Jesus. And this is what they would call a Christophany, a presence of Christ in the Old Testament. And so whether this is talking about, well, it just wasn't recorded or uh, actually this is about God himself from eternity past being present without father or mother or genealogy. You know, if you look at Jesus and you talk about Jesus and his beginning, John chapter eight, verse 58, John eight fifty-eight, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Now either Jesus has a grammar problem or he was saying something massive. Before Abraham was, I was. Would have been appropriate to say. But he said, before Abraham was, I am. And he called out the very name of Yahweh, I am. And as he calls that out, he's actually saying, I existed well before Abraham. Abraham, at the time of Christ, hundreds and hundreds of years before. And he's like, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him. They fully grasped, he was saying, right in front of you, God Almighty, from eternity past, And they picked up stones to stone him for his heresy, or at least what they thought was heresy, and ended up being absolute truth. May God get all the glory. It says he is without father or mother or genealogy, neither beginning of days or end of days. Talking about Melchizedek. And again, maybe this is just saying because it wasn't recorded. There's no beginning of days. There's no end of days recorded about Melchizedek. Maybe it's saying that, or maybe so much more that this is absolutely Christ and there's no beginning and no end, all of it being brought right in front of Abraham. Psalm chapter 90 verse two says about God, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, Psalm chapter 90 verse two. And here's another one, Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 27, the eternal God is your dwelling place. Know this, man. God is eternal. Everybody say eternal. He is king of righteousness. He is king of peace. He is eternal. And I'll just tell you, I do believe that Melchizedek is absolutely Christ in front of him, talking with him. And I'll tell you why in just a second as we get to the passage. Um, But some would say Melchizedek is at least a type. 
It's at least somebody who gives some semblance of, some resemblance to, and uh, gives you an understanding of at least a type or maybe more. And here's why they would say a type, but resembling the Son of God, resembling the Son of God. Now, for you and me, that word means something very specific. And just so you know, in the original language, you could translate this word as like the Son of God, or you could actually translate it as from the likeness of the Son of God which would be a lot more, saying God himself, son of God himself. Either way, I'll just say it this way. Through Melchizedek, you have this understanding of no beginning and no end and king of righteousness and king of peace, that this is Melchizedek and his titling. And the connection to Jesus Christ is massive. And Christ is exactly that for us. It says, neither beginning of days or end of days, but resembling the Son of God, Melchizedek, giving us a taste of an understanding of the greatness and the grandeur of Jesus Christ. And here's why I think that it actually is Jesus Christ back then. He continues a priest forever. He continues a priest forever. He's talking about Melchizedek and he says, we'll always be great high priest. We'll be priest forever. I think this is Jesus Christ. And I think that God had a plan. Everybody say God had a plan. And he knew from eternity past where it was rolling. And at that exact moment, he showed up and he made clear to Abraham who he was. King of righteousness, king of peace, eternal in nature, forever priest. That's who I am. And Abraham received blessing from, and he gave back gift to, as he gave a tenth of, and he said, my God is an awesome God, and I trust and I lean in him. Man, that is our king. He is the king of all creation. May Jesus Christ get all the glory. He continues as priest forever. Forever. Everybody just say forever. So here's the deal. I'm going to read off a few statements about Jesus. And my request is at the end of it, just say Jesus after each one. Uh, Something like this. He is forever our king. And then you guys say. Okay, ready? Here we go. Let's say it loud. Let's say it big. Let's fill the room. Here we go. He is forever our king. He is forever our righteousness. He is forever our priest. He is forever our peace. He is forever our Savior. He is forever our Lamb. He is forever our life. And He is forever our hope. Don't miss it. Jesus Christ, the King of righteousness, the King of peace, the King of all kings. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray.